0: All right. So we are in uh we're in Revelation chapter three. What we've done is we have looked at a couple of the churches, and we're going to fast forward the tape a little. We're going to move to the last church that uh Jesus addresses, and that is the church of Laodicea. So we're going to pick up at the end of chapter three, uh beginning in verse fourteen. To the angel of the church of Laodicea, write, These are the words of the Amen. The faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. So if you paid attention to the hymns this morning, I think what you are potentially hearing is some of the vastness, right? Where I was trying to capture uh, that praise of God and, and the Son, the creator of all things, And um, because of these first verses, that's how Jesus identifies himself to the church of Laodicea. The words of the Amen, that is truth. The words of the faithful and true witness, the ruler of all God's creation. He says to them, I know your deeds, that you are neither hot nor cold. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. You say, I am rich, I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing, but you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so that you can become rich and white clothes to wear so that you can cover your shameful nakedness and salve to put on your eyes Whoever has ears, let them hear. What the Spirit says to the churches. Let me pray for us. Father, as we come to your Word, we pray now that you would open it for us, that you would nourish us by it. Uh, Father, we pray that you will allow us to hear this Word and, and uh, if need be, to repent, both individually and corporately as the body. Um, we thank you, Father, you, uh, you're you involved, you know us, you know your church, and that, Father, you have uh, continued uh, to challenge us where we need challenging, and you come to us. Uh, the promise that you will never leave us nor forsake us uh, carries through even to our discipline. And so, while painful, uh, Father, we know it is life-giving, and so we want to praise you and ask that you would come and do the same this morning for us. In Jesus' name, amen. So, <clears throat> the title of this, uh, the title of this sermon is How to Get Rich. That's, uh, that's why you all were here this morning, I'm sure, right? Because you come, uh, you come to church to find out how to get rich. Um, it's three easy steps. How perfect is that? So the first thing is uh, you have to hear the charge. The second thing is you have to head to the bank, the right bank. And the third thing is you have to heed the invitation. So you have to hear the charge. That's the first part. Uh, for Laodicea, Jesus comes and he gives no commendation. So uh, most of the other churches, Jesus had typically something positive to say to them. But to the church at Laodicea, Jesus comes and all he has for them is a rebuke he doesn't have anything really positive for them and um and as we come to this uh as we come first to this charge it's really important because uh for us to understand the scene and and to understand the situation because remember what jesus is doing is he is very specifically targeting these churches he knows them that is one of the components that is really um uh interesting amazing uh kind of uh, shocking if you will, is that as you work your way through these different churches, Jesus knows exactly where to pinpoint his critique of them, and that is it's really not any more true anywhere else than it is here in the Church of laodicea <clears throat> uh you have to understand where this church is, what their situation is. In the, in the military, you would call this a situation report. Uh, we really want to understand that situation. So Laodicea. Laodicea uh, is situated in what's called the Lycus Valley. The Lycus River ran right through Laodicea. Um, 200 years, uh, 200 B.C., it was... <clears throat> an average small town if you will um but over the years it it grew in its importance about 150 BC it really lands on the map it starts showing up it it becomes this uh this economic powerhouse and there are a number of reasons for for that the first is that it became known as sort of a a, an, a, um, a center for textiles uh, specifically the um, the wool that they had. It was uh, a black wool. It was known for its high quality, and they were producing this in abundance. And so that was a place where you came. You know, those days you didn't have big factories, and so it was somewhat centralized. A number of roads, uh, major thoroughfares kind of intersected there and ran through that area, and so it became known as, uh, as a place where you could find this uh, really great wool um which you and I just kind of say, "Oh, well, okay, that's really no big deal." But back uh, you know, 150 BC, that, that was a big deal having some place that you could have really good high-quality wool. Um, the second thing is it became something of a center for um the study of medicine. Uh specifically, it had um it had access to a powder that was used as a salve for the eyes. Um, and so uh, it was a place where people, it was kind of a destination. It was like the Mayo Clinic of uh, of um, Asia Minor. And you would go there because you could get the salve for your eyes made out of this powder that was found there locally. Um, because of all of those things, um, it attracted lots of people and lots of wealth. And uh, Laodicea by 150 AD uh, BC was quite wealthy. Um, and that wealth remained for a long period of time. So much wealth was concentrated in Laodicea that in 60 AD, there was a uh, a large earthquake in that area. Uh, Turkey's known for being on some earthquake fault lines and that sort of thing. And uh, there was a large earthquake that hit the area. Laodicea rebuilt their city without any assistance from Rome. In fact, Uh, While all the other cities were asking for assistance from Rome and receiving it, Laodicea never even asked. And it's actually recorded in various annals that uh, they rebuilt their city on their own. They were proud that they were able to do that. It was kind of like, listen, we're able to pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps, kind of a community. And so they had it all together, and they were really doing quite well with respect to uh, uh, being taken care of and the wealth that they had and all of those sorts of things. But despite that wealth, despite that knowledge, despite their decent location, they had a really, uh, they had a serious problem. And that was they lacked access to good drinking water. Um, And that was actually made more apparent by the fact that there uh, were two cities near them, Heropolis to the north, which had a series of hot springs, okay? And they found hot springs uh, exactly the way you and I would find hot springs today, very useful for the body. So you would go to Heropolis and you would soak in those springs for the medicinal value and all of that. Heropolis had good hot springs to the north. To the south was Colossae, and Colossae had... Um, a cold water stream that came out of the mountains and fed it. And so to the to the north, Heropolis, great hot water. To the south, Colossae, great cold water from the mountains. Lycos, right there in the middle of the valley, had awful water. It was putrid. Um, there's actually remains of an aqueduct that came from a, another town to their south. They think that they were trying to pipe in water, um, because their water was known just to be so terrible it was milky it was uh it, it was tepid it was lukewarm okay so uh the water was terrible and it was such that it was kind of the water have you ever had some water you 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 start drinking it and you're like ah you know spit it out hence the reference um so think about this. Jesus knows those things about this area. He knows who they are. He he knows their strengths. He knows their weaknesses. He knows the things that are profitable for them. And He targets them. He uses their language. He, um, he speaks directly into their situation. And their problem was that they were self-sufficient. Verse 17. You say... I am rich, I have acquired wealth, and I do not need a thing. But you do not realize you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. Now, if it is, it, those things on their surface were not what the Laodiceans were known for. They had high quality clothing, they had great salve for their eyes, and they were wealthy. But Jesus comes to them and says, "The paradox in your life is you're not what you think you are." When I um, when I went into the Air Force, um, one of the things you have to get used to in the military. Air Force, particularly, is what's called the Officer Performance Report, the OPR. You live and die by your OPRs, okay? Um, and uh, and really, in an OPR, you live and die by two lines. There are six lines in the first section. Four lines in the second section. So your direct supervisor writes your first six lines, and it's basically a, a chopped up amalgamation of all the things you've done. So it may say something like, uh, you know, phenomenal preacher, uh, chapels. OK, so <laughs> I just gave away my number one line. Uh, chapel service attendance skyrockets by 200 uh, percent airmen had spiritual needs met okay so that would be your that would be one line and you would have five of those and then you would have the sixth line which is the line right above the signature block and it's the sixth line that really matters all that other stuff's just I'm not even going to see it it's the sixth line what does the sixth line say and then, so the sixth line has to say something like promote immediately or uh send to the next school um uh, your your intermediate development school or something like that and um and it, It has to include several things. If it doesn't include that, it doesn't make any difference. If it says walked on water, um, healed 400 people in his services, if it doesn't say promote immediately, you're dead, okay? So you're learning all these sorts of things, but one of the aspects is halfway through your cycle, so you get one of these every year, halfway through the cycle, you get a uh, midstream performance feedback, okay? Okay? Unless you just really mess up, your OPRs are generally going to all somewhat look the same. But it's that middle performance feedback where you could theoretically get some no kidding help. And I remember a specific feedback incident. So I had already been in two years, I'd had two of these. And typically what they do is they sit down with you. It's your supervisor. He sits down with you and he has a, a, a piece of paper and he, he hands you a piece and he has a piece. And he says, what I want you to do is I want you to take a few minutes. I want you to tell me where you think you are. Oh, man, that's never a good place. Right. Because, you know, on one end is a 10 and on one place is a one. And You know, well, I think I'm pretty much all 10s, you know. But what's he thinking? And so you try to fill it in. Right. And so I remember Doing those with my first supervisor, two of them, and it was very perfunctory, and 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 honestly not terribly helpful, because I was a new chaplain. I did I really didn't know it all. I thought that I did, but I really didn't. I thought I really was that great, and I really wasn't that great. And um, but I remember going in for those first two performance feedbacks and um, and walking out being like, yeah, I'm I am all that. And um and then I got a supervisor who didn't really follow the traditional just yeah, we're just we're just filling squares. And I went in and I sat down and he had actually filled it out in advance and spent time on it. And guess what? I wasn't all tens. I I wasn't even all nines. I, I had a couple of fives which was good, meets the standard, but it wasn't superior. And he had gone through and he had really thought about who I was as a chaplain and what he had observed. And he, no kidding, gave me honest feedback about who I was as a chaplain. You can ask Jody. I went home and I said, Chaplain Saucier is a dirty, no good, rotten scoundrel." What do you mean I'm not all that? But after reflection, after really searching my heart, you know what? He was right. And he had nailed me. Right on. That's why... I reacted the way they did because it hit so close to home that he had actually taken the time to properly evaluate me and to give me, what was it? Feedback. Jesus is coming and he's giving the church feedback. And what he's saying to them is, you're not all that and more. You've got issues. We've got some real issues and And to sum them all up, you're lukewarm now, don't think lukewarm like you and I are thinking lukewarm because they didn't use the they didn't use the term that way Here's what he's getting at. Think of their situation. The water that they had was tepid and lukewarm. If you drank it, you would just spew it out of your mouth it was It was near worthless it it was it was essentially worthless to them it did not provide what they needed and so he looks to the north he looks to the south and he says i wish that you were either hot or cold now think about that typically what you when you hear that what you're thinking is well jesus is saying i wish you'd either you know fish or cut bait like i wish you would either be on fire for me or not on fire at all for me that's not what He's saying. Jesus is not saying to them, I wish you were either worth something or worth less. That's not what He's saying in the hot and cold. What He's saying is, be useful. Be either hot, hot springs in the north in Hierapolis, useful for medicinal purposes, or be cold. Be like the fresh water down. Be something useful for the kingdom. Instead, what He says is, You're lukewarm like the water you have. You're useless for the kingdom, and that is his challenge to them. He says, "Look, you've got money in the bank. You're you are very self-sufficient. It appears that you have it all together. You, You, you know, he he could have said you have a you have fine facilities. You you're you're doing this right. You're doing that right. You're you're doing these things internally correctly, but you're of no value to the kingdom." for me. You are useless as a kingdom witness. Which means somehow some way they had forgotten about the world around them. And they had becoming they had become useless to the kingdom's advancement. And so he says, Since you are useless, if you remain that way, I'm done with you. Now, what's the solution? They think they're rich. They're poor, blind, naked. What is the solution? So first, to be wealthy, you've got to hear the charge that you're poor, even if you think you're rich. That is a big challenge to overcome. There's a story of the rich young ruler, and it's a guy that comes to Jesus. He says, hey, Look. Uh, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, well, you've got to obey your mother and father. And he lists off some aspects of the law. And he says, you've got to do those things. And the guy says, oh, I've done all that. And Jesus says, okay, well, one thing you, you lack, and that is, I want you to go sell everything you have, give it to the poor, then come follow me. And it says, he went away sad because he had great wealth. Jesus put his finger directly on the one thing. You've got to be willing to admit you're poor. And in this sense, that's what he's looking at. You've got to hear the charge and be willing to acknowledge it. Then you have to... Head to the right lending institution, if you will. You've got to go to where the money is. Verse 18, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so that you can become rich. And white clothes to wear in contrast to the black clothes to wear. So that you can cover your shameful nakedness. And salve to put on your eyes so that you can see. So he tells them, listen, come to me and purchase three things. Purchase gold, purchase clothing, and purchase salve for your eyes. Okay? Now, think about that. So he's just, he just said, all that stuff that's to your credit, useless. It's all useless. What you and your city are known for are useless to me for the kingdom. You are putting your confidence, your hope, your stock in those things and not in me. And because of that, you're useless for the kingdom. And that is a a huge challenge for them. So what does he say? Come, buy it from me. Now let me ask you a question. If you're poor, how do you go to Jesus and buy something? It's a paradox, right? You're poor, blind, wretched, naked, but come, buy from me. Now, hold on. How am I supposed to come and buy from you? In that sense, it's an echo for us of Isaiah 55. This is one of my favorite. This is a passage I love as a call to worship, especially when we're doing the Lord's Supper But there we have the invitation. Here's the invitation in Isaiah 55, 1-3. Come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come, buy, and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me. Listen to me, and eat what is good, and your soul will delight in the richest affair. Ah. What is he saying? He's saying, look, come to me. Come purchase from me. Come get it from me. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a transaction that's unlike any other that you're ever going to experience. And that is, you don't, it's not a, an exchange of money one for the other. You come and you get from him a gift. I don't have any other way to put it. It's all the way through the Bible, right? Uh, Our salvation is by grace through faith. This not of yourselves. It is the gift of God so that no man can boast. And so that's the invitation. And Jesus invites them, come to me. Come buy these things from me. And what he's saying is, come, have what I offer you. What does he offer us? He offers us the righteousness from God. A righteousness, not our own, but from Him. That's what He's offering us. The gold refined in the fire, the sapphire for your eyes, the clothes that He's going to put on you, all of those are just metaphors for the righteousness that they needed. They needed the, they needed a gospel awakening in their midst. They needed to suddenly hear, holy smokes. You mean, I'm saved by grace through faith? Yes. You you mean my works don't enter into the equation of my salvation? Absolutely. His grace is sufficient for you. And they have become self-sufficient in themselves. And so he says, come and buy these things. Now, in order for that to happen, in order for you to go to him, in that manner, you've got to know that you're poor. You you have to know that your dependence has not been, done, been on Him. You have to be willing to acknowledge that He hasn't been more precious than gold or silver or diamonds or rubies or whatever. And it's only when you, when you wake up and you can realize that and you can admit that, that you can come to Him and receive what He has to offer. We talked about it on Sunday school this morning, right? If it isn't that, if, if Jesus is just a handout and a help up, so you come to him by faith, and then he asks of you, now, start pulling your share, start pulling your load. Let me ask you a question. In what sense then is uh, is what Jesus says about coming to him and casting your burdens on him, and in his yoke and his burden is light? In what sense is that light? It's not. Because that's not what he's offering to us. He's not offering to us a hand up where we come to him and then he goes, OK, we got you kind of cleaned up now. Now, now go on your little way and get things done. Go do good. Don't drink. Don't smoke. Uh, don't chew and don't date any girls who do. Go on and, and, and do good. That's not what he says. What he says is come to me by what I'm offering you. Depend upon what I'm offering you. And it will change your life because it's a righteousness, not from you, not generated in you, but a righteousness that's from outside of you, credited to your account. That's the gospel. And that's what we have to be constantly reminded of. So hear the charge, head to the right lending institution, Jesus himself, and then heed the invitation. This is that last section often, often used. Often used in the context of some sort of a, an evangelistic service, right? Jesus says, um, verse 19, those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. Y- you know this. I mean, if you, if you have children, if you've ever had children, and you've been around other children, you don't love other children. You love your children. I, I don't ever discipline other kids. I, I mean, I just don't do it. It's just kind of a policy, you know? I mean, I let moms and dads discipline their kids because, honestly... I don't love them. Um, I love my kids, though, right? I'll bring my kids into the discipline process. But I don't, I'm not going to bring other kids into that discipline process the way I would my own children. And Jesus is saying, I rebuke you. I challenge you. I come to you. Why? Because I love you. I'm coming to challenge. Exactly what a parent would say, right? It's going to hurt you more. It's going to hurt me. Um, you've heard that one. I heard that one a lot, okay? And I didn't understand it, but now now it makes a lot of sense, right? I, I love you, but I'm, we're going to go through the discipline process here because I love you, because I want to protect you, because I don't want your soul to end up in a bad place, because I don't want you to end up in a ditch on the side of the road somewhere. And so I discipline you now in order to keep that from happening. And Jesus says, I want you to be fruitful for the kingdom. That's why I'm bringing this charge to you. That's why I'm bringing this discipline to you. That's why I want to help you, because I love you. Look, if you have ever been challenged by someone in your life, it's painful at that moment. But tell me it wasn't good for you in the long run. When Dennis Saussier sat me down and gave me that real evaluation... You better believe after I got through the shock and awe, once I got through that, I knew it was for my good. I knew he cared about me as a chaplain. He saw potential in me as a chaplain. He wanted me to be a better chaplain. That's why he gave me the critique he gave me. Now, there are people that critique you all the time. They don't love you. That that certainly happens. But generally speaking, it's because they care about you. They're willing to say the honest and hard things to you. A good friend will do that, right? When we say they'll stab you in the chest, not in the back, right? They're willing to go in and put the knife where it needs to go and say, listen, we've got an issue here. Let's work through it. And that's what Jesus is doing to the church, which is why we heed the invitation. Final point, verse 20, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and him with me. Here's the point of verse 20. Jesus is going to come in the door. it make a difference if you open it or not. He's coming in the door. Is he going to come in for judgment? Or is he going to come in to sup with you? Is he going to come in to sit down and eat the marriage uh, feast of the lamb with you? Or is he going to come in and announce judgment on you? One of those two things is going to happen as he stands at the door and knocks. This isn't it's not, to, it's not to say it couldn't be used in an evangelistic way. It could. But remember, he's talking to a church. He's talking to people that profess belief in him. And what he's saying to them is, listen, I want to have sweet fellowship with you. I want, I want the gospel to be so a part of you, so ingrained in who you are, that it is as if we are having sweet fellowship, will you open the door and let me have that fellowship with you? That's Jesus' challenge challenged. To this church. But he's coming through the door. One way or the other. He's going to knock. And he's, he's coming in. And the question is. Is it going to be for what he invites them to? Right? Come in. Here I am. If anyone hears my voice. Opens this door. I will come in with that person. And I will eat with them. And them with me. Remember. Go all the way back to Abraham in Genesis. Sitting with someone. And dining with them. Supping with them. Is the essence of biblical fellowship. And Jesus says, "I want that with you." There's a lot here, a lot of challenges in this passage. Um, first, are you willing to hear what Jesus says to you in terms of challenging you that comes that can come in a number of different forms. It can come through the word." M- Most easily, it can come through a friend, someone who loves you, someone who's close to you, someone who comes alongside you and counsels you, encourages you, challenges you, rebukes you, however you want to phrase it. But that's one of the ways it happens. It happens in preaching and teaching and the work of the Spirit in your life. Do you have ears? Remember, in almost all of these um, passages, He says, verse 22, whoever has ears, let them hear. If I were going to tell you one thing to walk away from this morning, it would be this. Pray that the Lord gives you ears to hear. To hear the challenge, to hear your friend, to hear the word. The second thing is, are you resting in Christ? Have you gone to to the only place where the loan is free? and it is going to make you wealthy beyond your wildest imagination. And when I say wealthy, I'm not talking about the physical wealth. I'm talking about the wealth that can only come through Christ, spiritual wealth, righteousness in the bank. And finally, have you are you ready are you prepared to heed the invitation and enjoy that sweet fellowship with him? That's the challenge for us as a Lake Oconee Presbyterian Church, corporately and individually. Let me pray for us. Father, we want to thank you for your word and for the challenge that has come to us from it. Um, Father, we would pray this morning that you would allow the word to dwell richly in us and to bring about fruitful change in our lives for your glory and for our good. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen.